0: Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, this is a show all about delivering e-commerce. Well, at least trying to help you do that. That's what we're here for. That's what we're trying to do. So do stay with us as we talk about all things e-commerce with today's amazing guest, Jason Wood from Specificity. Specific, <laughs> Jason, you're going to have to say your name because obviously I can't specificity. say. Speci- <laughs> specificity. I've, I think I've just gone and found one of those words that I just can't say. Uh, you know those sort of random words uh, but we're going to be yeah. chatting about all things e-com but before we do why not go check out the e-commerce podcast website if you haven't done so already ecommercepodcast.net make sure you sign up to the newsletter uh, and we will send you all the notes all the links everything from our conversation today will come to your inbox automatically and for free which is amazing do you know what else is amazing? Today's show sponsor. Oh yes. Now today's show sponsor is of course the wonderful e-commerce cohort. This is our monthly membership group which you can join. It's pretty cheap. It's like 14 bucks a month uh, but you get all kinds of amazing things by being a member including expert workshops delivered every month. Uh, plus you get to watch the live recording of this podcast. Yes. Yeah, so whenever I do podcast recordings you get to come join in live and ask the guests all kinds of questions. So Try it out. Come check it out. Ecommercecohort.com. Now, loving the music, by the way. Let's just yeah, okay. Uh, let's meet Jason, the digital marketing maestro who doesn't just think outside the box. Oh no, he vaporizes it as the trailblazing <laughs> CEO of Specific Specificity. Heard, I don't know why I'm struggling with this word. Jason, has anybody else struggled with with your company name, or is it just me? You know, I've had
1: sales reps with me for over a year that still stumble over. <laughs> it's, well, that's,
0: it's OK. has made me it. feel so much better. Now, Jason <laughs> is reimagining the marketing game with jaw-dropping tech from uh, things like Pickpocket, which I want to talk to you about, actually, because I'm really intrigued by this. Uh, from leading startups to winning awards, he's the guy who's turning heads and rewriting the rule book. Oh yes, Jason, welcome to the show, man. Looking forward to this one. How are we doing, sir?
1: I'm doing well, man, and thanks a lot for having me today. I've been looking forward to this, man.
0: It's great to have you on, and we were talking before we hit the record button there, uh, that behind you is the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, you are obviously a Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, which I didn't say before we hit the record button, so Mm -hmm. am I uh, ironically.
1: Oh really? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I, I, when I lived in the States, um, I lived in North Carolina and they didn't have the Carolina Panthers at the time. So your nearest team was what was then called the Washington Redskins. Um, which were, I, you know, I kind of, I enjoyed uh, watching them play, uh, And when the Panthers started, I've been to the stadium, I've got the shirt and all that sort of stuff. But for some reason, it was the Chiefs. And so they've been to London to play. They played the Jaguars. And I took my kids, my two boys, um, my daughter didn't want to come, actually. But I took the two boys down to Wembley and we watched the Chiefs play here in the UK. So I'm a a bit of a Chiefs fan.
1: Nice. Nice. I
0: love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's always interesting, isn't it, American football? We call it, you obviously does call it football, we call it American football because obviously football here has very different meanings, uh, but we call it American football and I just love the game. I, I don't know what it is about it that, um, you know, I wasn't brought up on it in any way, shape or form, but I just got, I got hooked onto it, man, and it was it was just interesting. Well, it's a it's a combination of just like this this gladiator
1: type sport where it's rough and tumble <laughs> and hit hard, and yet there's so much strategy and chess to it that uh, it, it makes for a great game. We love it here in the states. I mean, obviously yeah. the NFL is a big deal here in the in the US.
0: Yeah, massive, massive deal. So if you ever get a chance to watch the game, uh, do go and watch the game if you haven't seen one already. They do they do like three or four games a season now here in the UK, and I think they're expanding them out to different countries. Uh, from what yeah. I understand. Yeah, they are.
1: It's it's kind of weird being a lifelong football fan. You know, you wake up in the morning on a Sunday and, you know, get your coffee and get the pregame on and you go, Wow, we got a game that's live here in an hour at nine thirty in the morning <laughs> US
0: time. Like why are we have
1: football at nine thirty in the morning?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh wait, it's in England, that's why. Yeah, the Brits have screwed it up again. Thank you, England.
1: <laughs> well, it, it just really uh, doesn't feed well into that demographic that likes to consume a lot of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, just...
1: yeah, 9.30 in the morning, they're pounding their... You know they're, they're drinking
0: choice and yeah, yeah. makes for some interesting uh, chat rooms during the games sir. yeah yeah absolutely no doubt no doubt <laughs> since <laughs> i didn't even think about that yeah it's true uh it's um it, no it's a sport that i thoroughly enjoy and um you know one of the other things that amused me uh jason you won't know this but in our system here where we do all our sort of podcast management for want to a better expression um Sadaf, who is the show's producer, you did a you did a call with Sadaf before we we jumped onto the call, just right. so Sadaf knows what's going on. You've met her, you've chatted to her, which is great. And Sadaf usually writes me quite detailed notes, right, um, about the guests and what kind of questions to ask and all that sort of stuff. And so Sadaf, I wanted to read this out to you because I, I she's she it's funny what she writes about guests sometimes. And um, so in the notes, what was it Sadaf said said here? Matt, Jason knows a lot in capital letters, right? A lot is in capital letters. Feel free to take the conversation in any which direction uh, and I'm sure the audience will glean. So uh, whatever you and Sadaf talked about, she came away very impressive nice nice well it's kind of worked (laughs) it takes a lot let me tell you to get that set up so uh take it that's for sure so specific specificity specific i'm genuinely really sorry you got Um, it specificity um what's what's your company do how did it get started let's just jump there and, and and understand a bit about you yeah, so, you
1: know, at specificity, we, we kind of have some core beliefs that really drive everything we do, right? So we understand technology changes, ad tech technology changes, emerging tech, and what's actionable and what's not. That all changes. The core of what really drives specificity is an understanding that the more understanding and control marketers have over whom it is they're actually targeting, the more successful they can be across everything they do in marketing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it's it, it, it kind of runs uh, you know, counterintuitive to a lot of the mainstream thinking because we've all gotten so, I'm going to say, addicted to ad tech and social media where we don't have yeah. to be marketers anymore. You know, that these, these marketers that are in their early 30s and younger. They don't remember the days of doing data modeling. They don't remember the days of really having to root through, you know, personas and convert those into addressable data points and all of that because yeah. they've grown up in marketing where it's just this platform and you check these boxes. And what we've seen as I think uh, uh, an industry is just a fundamental, undeniable understanding that those data points just don't mean what they say they mean all the time. And they're, they're growing <laughs> increasingly diluted, somewhat yeah. intentionally. Um, and the goal of, of big tech and ad tech is always to you know, grow your spend towards uh, a mass CPM model and, and not so much about micro-defining the high conversion audiences that we so covet as digital marketers
0: hmm Just define what you mean for those that might not know, Jason, uh, when you say a CPM model, just explain what that is. Well,
1: whether you're talking about Google,
0: whether you're talking about the Meta Suite, whether you're talking about, you know,
1: LinkedIn, programmatic, um, OTTs, connected TV, DSP, anything that you're talking about, display networks, they all have one thing in common, and that is their profit or their, their revenue, I should say, is directly correlated to a CPM model, oh. cost per thousand impressions. So they make their money and derive their profit by a greater um audience size not necessarily a greater conversion model yeah. so as marketers i think that gets lost on us all the time we're always looking for this compressed cpm model um as a as a means of keeping our marketing costs down and i think what we don't understand is that with the ios update and everything that's taken place these targeting selects just don't mean what they mean yeah. so it, what they used to mean i should say and so uh, that dilution causes problems. So when you have big, when you have all platforms making money on volume and as marketers, our, our ROI is directly correlated to our cost per acquisition. Yeah. That means the better defined audiences we have, the more successful we are as marketers and branders. You just run counterintuitive to their
0: model. Yeah, yeah. it's It, it, it becomes in a lot of ways, um, Jason, if I can put it this way, the sort of, the the silver bullet the sort of the holy grail isn't it is like how do i target like how do i find my target audience and actually hit that target audience rather than just blasting you know ads unnecessarily out to the wider universe because it has become more tricky it has become more complicated how do i do that and how do i do that well i think has become a big question that everyone seems to be asking right now you know, <coughs> excuse me, Matt,
1: for, for us, it's, it's just a fundamental understanding of what everybody at the table's goals are. And when you understand that, navigating those platforms becomes, I, I think, a lot more clear on how to do that. Um, you know, I, I'm not here to say that, oh, you know, big tech and, and big social and ad tech, they're all here trying to just, you know, screw us over. And they're not, look, we're partnered with all of them. We need them. There's no yeah. doubt. But if you're reliant upon their targeting or their like audience build outs or any of that, Mm -hmm. Um, And your eggs are all in the basket of their data you're in some trouble moving forward as a marketer um and that that understanding i don't think is really debatable matt i think it's been ferreted out i mean it started with cambridge analytic and meta back then it was just facebook and and really popping the hood and seeing what kind of data they had yeah And, and then compare that to what they make available to marketers and what's their motive their motive is again our motive is again broadening the audience mass impression because that's how they make money. That's, you know, and so I get why they do that. It's a come upon us as marketers and technologists to understand how to navigate that and how to mm. use, uh, you know, in, my, in our purview, um, at specificity are a set of tools that are both in emerging tech, but also we're dragging some of this stuff back from 15 years ago, data modeling, and things like that, that, that are really powerful. We just don't trust their platforms to go in and define the audience on those targeting platforms with any of them. Um, On behalf of our clients, we know we're going to do a lot better if we just use the data modeling world, the data world, and build these audiences outside of ad tech, and then convert them into publishable audiences into ad tech. There there we know our spend is relegated to this set of device IDs. We're not asking Facebook to make decisions. We're not asking Instagram to make decisions. We're not asking the OTT or any of those programmatic or DSP to, to make any decisions for us on where to next take that ad. Um, in terms of what it thinks is the best strategy because naturally their business model is part of that.
0: That's really interesting. So, you, so your whole company then was all about creating the, the, the audiences outside of the ad tech platforms. It's like, how do I do that? How do we, how do we create those audiences? Yeah, and it's, it's rooted in
1: a very healthy uh, acknowledgement that we need them and, a, and an even healthier acknowledgement that, that if we're all being honest, we can't trust them. I mean, I think if we've all learned anything the last seven or eight years in, in digital marketing is that you just cannot put blinders on yeah. and set it and forget it with campaigns because you cannot trust big tech to have your best interests in mind. They're going to have their own.
0: Yeah, it's powerful. Powerful. So how do you go about creating these audiences? And I'm I'm curious if I, for example, uh, we're an e-commerce podcast where you talk about e-commerce. Um sure. And I'm just going to pull out a random thing off my desk. I say random. I've only, there's only three or four things on my desk in front of me. And so, if you've listened to this show, you will be going, "Matt, that's not random. You always pull this out." <laughs> yeah, so I've got, <laughs> I've got here myself a little, uh, as you can see, that there are little Lego Indiana Jones riding Lovely. a little horse. Um, I don't sell these online. Um, it's just a fun thing to have on my desk. Uh, but I've got, let's say, I do sell them online, right? I'm, I'm studying, I'm starting up my econ business. How do I, how do I go about then defining or creating these target audiences, yep. rather than just going to say meta and saying, fine for me, everybody that likes the Lego page. You know sure. what sort of things do I need to think about? Well, liking
1: a Lego page doesn't make a high conversion audience because, first of all, you know adults and kids alike, still, you know, play with Legos. Our generation specifically, you know, we we came up with Legos. So an Indiana Jones specifically is going to suppress out a lot of your audience that are into Minecraft, Legos and all of this. And, and really, that's where you really get into it, Matt, is yeah. contextual data layering. It's not enough to understand somebody likes Legos to then sell them that particular piece of Lego, right? You've got Indiana Jones. Well, there's a demographic appeal, you know. Um, you had a recent launch here in the last couple of years of a remake. or a, 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 I don't know mm-hmm. if it's another iteration I haven't seen yet. So is there an audience play there? but the ability to identify people that don't just like Legos. So one Lego fans, people that spend money on Legos, people that collect Legos. Two, people that genre specific like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and like that, that Raiders of the Lost Ark and all of that. At three, people that are actively buying Legos, not just that have them and have a collection, but so there's all these contextual layers and then you have to always put in there intent. What's their intent? Are they buying Legos with frequency? Because it's e-commerce. It's not enough to, to, to hit an audience that likes the product or, or that, you know, is going to be amenable to it. You've got to identify people that are actively buying it, because mm. unless you can afford to, to you know, serve ads to everybody that likes Legos, you've got to then make decisions within that larger Lego audience. Whom is it that is likely to buy this particular Lego piece? And so for that, you need contextual data layering.
0: contextual data layering. Uh, which is a great phrase, by the way. I I, I don't come across that phrase that often. Uh, contextual data layering. So uh, I'm assuming, um, Jason, rightly or wrongly, that this is where your tech uh, can help people. Because, I, again, I'm thinking about, um, you know, the young guy or the young girl or the young couple starting their sort of side hustle business, selling products online. And um, they've not got the budget, say so that I've got, you know, because I've got an established econ business, you know, with quite a big ads budget. What sort of things do they need to think about with this contextual data layering um, that's gonna work for them just starting out?
1: Well, you know, getting into contextual data layering is is not necessarily a startup type of uh, strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain um, learnings that have to be understood before you start applying real data modeling into your marketing. That a startup just doesn't know yet. Yeah. I mean, we all can sit in our in our in our offices, home offices, or at our you know in our conference room, and and as marketers, kind of deduce what we think is a high likely conversion audience. But as you know, having a big e-commerce guy, the yard that that is almost always illuminated to be slightly skewed <laughs> who's actually buying.
0: I've never got it right yet, to be honest with you, Jason. Yeah, yeah.
1: So <laughs> I, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody. I mean, right out of the gate, how can you? Because that mm. stuff. I mean, it's just there's trends, there's just all this stuff. So I, I would say to marketers this, in order to understand really what's actionable in your business, you have to be able to leverage analytics, right? And there's all mm-hmm. these tools that are free, you don't have to have the money, but what you have to also understand is that when you're testing offers, you're testing creatives, what audience is that being presented to? So if you're in a meta campaign and you're just yeah. pulling Facebook ads and you're you're doing an A-B test on some creative or an offer, and you go, wow, this one's really popping. The big question we always have is, with all of the slot built into that data, with all the erroneous slacks that, that are either diluted or just not present anymore, who 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 liked it of that audience? Was yeah. it was it like? I mean, you take Lamborghini, you know, so much of their traffic or what you know uh, you know digital marketers take credit for 17 year old boys just going to their website to get a picture for the background of their phone? Like that's mm-hmm. a significant audience segment for them. Is that where you put your 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 retargeting efforts? Is that where you put your your brand strategy? No. So how do you define, you know, the the result of a test if you don't know the audience well enough yeah. to know who actually liked it? Was it the 18, 20 year old, you know, kids that, that love the yeah. ad and, and they just love it because they're active on social media and they're more likely to see it and that's who's engaged? Or is it that high conversion um segment? Is that who liked it? And so being able to understand that takes some some um, I, just just some understanding as you look at your analytics, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and checking out that data. And it's interesting because um, one of the things I hear a lot on the show is, you know, when it comes to data, uh, obviously you've got to test this, that, test that headline against this headline, test that um, image against that image, that copy against this copy, split test, A-B test. I've not heard many people, Jason, come on the show and say, yeah, but what audience are you showing that to? You know, everyone sort of focuses on the things which are, Can I say things which are seen because, you know, a headline is easily seen, isn't it? Whereas the audience is not necessarily that straightforward. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's 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 so
1: obvious and apparent, and yet it, it runs so counterintuitive to an understanding we have to have as digital marketers to think that we start digital marketing campaigns from the ad serving audience piece forward. Because we just assume that when we tell Facebook, for example, that we want to target this audience, that's where the ads are going. What we're over here screaming from the sidelines, is specificity is, but it's not. It's mm. really, really not. I, I was at a, the Digital Marketing World Forum, based, I think, in in the UK. There, um, they 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 do shows all over the world, conferences all over the world. They have one in Miami, and so we're we're talking to to, to these folks about about you know all of these things and. What, what, it, what really comes to, to understand is that marketers trust those data selects are, are just buttoned up. So what we did just as a little case study going into this is I went into Facebook or I had my team going to Facebook and say, listen, let's narrowly, like narrowly define an audience. So let's go by job title, which, as you know, not everybody puts their job title. Sure. But we just want to serve ads to people with these five or 10 or 12 job titles in these cities. And let's see. Let's look at the engagement metrics and let's just show how obviously they don't match up. So we targeted five or six cities and marketing job titles. We had people a thousand miles away, nowhere near marketing, advertising or even business replying and commenting on our posts. Well, wait a minute. We told Facebook and gave them money and said, we just want to go after people that have marketing manager, marketing director, chief marketing officer, job titles. How is this gentleman in Tucson, Arizona, when our campaign is supposed to be targeted on the East Coast? That that's a you know this guy this one one uh, you know particular guy was a retired retired Vietnam vet very into veteran causes we went looked at his profile nowhere near marketing nowhere near marketing and yet he's commenting on our post because he didn't understand why i got the ad <laughs> you know it's like yeah we don't either so if you if you think that your ads if you start your campaign with just that trusted well, we know that if we set this up in, in Meta or Google or any of these any of these uh, big tech platforms, that's who it's going to. You're already losing 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50% of your ad spend is just leaking out the front door. But the big problem that is it makes your analytics diluted. It really dilutes the actionability of the analytic insights mm-hmm. you get from campaigns when the audiences are, so, are also sloppy. I mean, how can you take action on activity and engagement when half of your audience or 30% of your audience, depending on the market you're in, it isn't even the right audience. But man, they really like the ad because it's orange and they like orange and consumers take action on orange. So they're clicking <laughs> the ad. But, but this gentleman in Arizona wasn't going to hire us to do marketing. But he's Not even close, nor did he have just the interest category of ad tech or marketing or MarTech, any of it. So, like, So for us, you've got to take a step back and start with that piece, yeah. the audience. Who do you want to serve the ad to? And how do you make sure that's where you, you you serve your ads? So what we're doing is building these audiences outside of ad tech with legally compliant, ethically sourced data. We're, we're modeling for contextual data layers that illuminate intent, that illuminate amenability, hobby, mm-hmm. interest, all of these things, the economic wherewithal, just all of these things that are germane to a hyper-emergent audience. But then we're converting them into nothing more than a list of device IDs that we publish to ad tech. And we publish it across the board. So we have commoditized for our clients these ad tech platforms. Because you know, frankly, Matt, I don't know about you, but I don't think any of my clients give a rip if that person saw it on Meta's one of Meta's platforms like Instagram or or Facebook, or whether they saw it in a display ad on the 10 speed website they frequent. I don't think they care. They want the conversion and they want the right audience Mm -hmm. reached. And if you're accomplishing that, then really you shouldn't care what channel they're seeing it on. So publishing it to all of them and then simply Allowing that to play out, that's 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 gonna feed your analytics too on channel and device much better.
0: So if I'm understanding this right, Jason, the way that you control the audience is you are telling Facebook the ID of the person. You're in effect saying to Meta or whoever, these are the people you need to reach, as opposed to and that's based on your own research, your own data sources, as opposed to saying to Meta, um find me all these marketing directors and they just happen to leak stuff out.
1: We're not giving Meta a list of criteria we would like for them to see present to serve an ad because we know they're not gonna pay attention to it. And even with they, when they are, if you think about this, really just the mechanics of it, with iOS update really killing app tracking data here domestically in the US, yeah. over 95% of consumers have opted out of it. That is all their second, third party data, it's gone. So now they yeah. can't do those contextual data layers because they were just APIing them and using, you know, permissions and things really nefariously to get at it. Um, so consumers said no. They got rebuked here in the U.S. Um, and as you know, we're way behind you guys in, in terms of data privacy um, for, for consumers. We're way behind. Um, but you know, one of the things that, that we all have to understand is to be a really hyper targeted marketer. Here's one piece of data you never need: personally identifiable information. I don't need any of that. I don't need your name. I don't need your date of birth. I don't need any kind of government ID here in the States. It's so scary. I don't need any of that. I just need to know that this set of devices belongs to a human being that's in the market for this or is showing behavior that they're going to buy something that, that my client is selling or that they're into a certain or whatever the case is. Um we just need to know that those devices are, are in the purview of somebody that's going to take action on a product to then serve the ad about that product and give them that option. We don't, but that's because we don't sell data. We don't make, There's zero revenue comes into specificity for selling data, zero. We, we don't so sell it. any data.
0: Mm. So you, uh, you and again, this is fascinating in, in a lot of ways because what you have just said, or at least what I've just heard, let me preface my, uh, this correctly, um, that you don't need the name, you don't need the email address, all the things that we've been told as marketers we need. You just need, a, uh, I think you said a device ID, um, so you've got that information, um, and you're giving Facebook that information, uh, to market to those people, or are you just bypassing Facebook entirely?
1: Well, no, we look, we, you know, Facebook's a great place to serve ads, especially for the, the core demographics spending the most money, you know, it's, it's folks mm. our age, you know, 30 to, to 50 for whatever that age group is, depending on the product category. Um, and they're there. I mean, it's it's it, there's it's undeniable that there are still certain segments that trust Meta or at least Facebook specifically to convert. So, no, we love Facebook. We just don't. We just when they say, hey, we'll go ahead and target this for you. We say, no, thanks. Just target these people for us. And they did. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just simple uh, to you know calculation. What we're really doing, Matt, is we're just saying to the big tech world, everybody, that, that they're targeting selects are diluted and they know it. The, the messaging they're putting out, Facebook just sent a, uh, an email out last week, I'm sure you got it, to every agency in the world, hey, we've got this new AI tool, and it'll help you know, <laughs> broaden your audience.
0: Yeah. And
1: I don't know anybody that cares about ROI that's going, gee, if I could just broaden my audience, I, I'd be more successful. Now, we're looking to narrowly define audiences. We're looking to understand consumer segments, B2B segments, and how they're taking action, and what 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 works with segment a versus segment b even under an umbrella of a high conversion audience like, we want to be a little <laughs> smarter than just more people <laughs> Just yeah. more people
0: yeah 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 there's more people more, more people just never really works does it um so someone's listening to the show um you know they're a reasonably sized econ business turning over a couple of million um what's and they've maybe done traditional meta advertising and Google advertising. What's the sort of the advice for, for that group of people? What are some of the sort of takeaways that they can take? here? I mean, yes, you're, you're mentioning, you know, check out the audience, make sure it's going to the right thing. Um, look at the analytics, but what sort of things should I be looking for? What sort of, what, so, what are some of the next steps I should take? Well, but before, like
1: for for people not doing business with specificity, not ready to do business with specificity, and I'll tell you right now, our technology is uh, um, really focused on serving ads here domestically in the U.S. We're not, Mm -hmm. we can do ads like through Tubla in the U.K. and and Europe and and other countries, but we're relegated again to to some flattening of the data. Um, Not not because of Tubla, just because of the the data privacy laws are different and and we don't have all the the opt-in data that we have here domestically. But the first thing I would tell marketers before they come down our road, or, or if they're not gonna come down our road, is to, to, is to source a much smarter data API software for analytics. GA4 is great for a marketer that doesn't have a budget, and GA4 is great if you can afford the very expensive version that really pops the hood. But for the free version, I mean, Google inherently is going to show you or illuminate results more uh, clearly that take place in their ecosystem. So yeah. they just have this select, they say, you know, um, it, it's basically just uh, direct traffic. And, and what is that? That's everything you're doing with your digital ad spend. That is, that's, that's display, that's programmatic connectivity. That's all these things they don't yet make a living on. And so they just lump it into this box so you can't parse it out. So there's a lot of tools out there for, for analytics to, to at least arrive at a better result in terms of your segments channels to know where that put through Mm. is coming from. Um, The other thing is everywhere you have the opportunity to deliver either through big tech or even outside of big tech through direct um, campaigns where you really understand your audience, watch those analytics and always layer them. Juxtapose everything you're doing in big tech. You'll, You'll see these these widening of data points that really speak to what's going on in your in your social campaign. There are ways to manipulate those uh, selects in in Facebook for example to 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 make your campaigns perform better. There's a whole cottage industry um, set to do that. You know, here in the US we have Gary V Mm -hmm. Vandercheck Media and he's talking about I just put some content from last week. He's talking about well if you if you put out a video and and it and it performs well and then you know you want to you want to keep boosting it keep moving it and 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 drive more revenue out of it, then the end of this video he says we found that if you put a meme first and then a video and and, and then it, and then it'll do, and I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that like the 1990s cheat codes on Nintendo's right? <laughs> forward, forward, back, back, back B, A, yeah. B, A, punch. Like that's great for Gary V, who's got the inside track of Meta, but all of us out here, we're not friends with the management team at Meta. We don't get the cheat codes ahead of time. So by the time he's sharing it, they're done. They're yeah. they're, they're already been used by by the the big agencies that have these inside tracks. And and so for me, it's just. Understand your audience as best you can and, and really uh, take some time to dig through your followings profiles and really understand what th- what they look like. I, I think that understanding until you're ready to to really harness uh, smarter data modeling is, is at least a start.
0: Yeah, no, very good. Very good uh, insight. So um, what software would you recommend uh, other than GA4? Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, it's OK, but there are, there are better ones out there. What sort of platforms come to your mind?
1: Well, there, there's a ton of them, um, and and you know, to be really frank with you, we we intentionally remain agnostic on all of these issues. We don't advocate for one versus another. We advocate for clients. Matt, we're a big believer in it. And if you're really frank, if you if you understand how these softwares work, they all have like um, not some of them have multiple, but they all have like a particular thing they're really good at, a little better than the others, and they kind of cut their teeth on that. So you want to try to partner with a firm that's really specialized in e-commerce or in b2b campaigns or in branding or even vertical market high-end e-commerce versus you know your more mass volume five dollar product needs 20 million impression campaigns so i I would say do your homework Um, we are going to put up on our website later this week a list of some of these softwares that we've used on behalf of our clients um over the last six to 12 months you know, AI has really changed so much yeah. um, in terms of what's usable and, and what's not anymore. It's it's really rocked the boat. And, and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of AI right now.
0: Yeah, there is, isn't there? And, it, uh, and I love how everybody's just throwing the word AI onto everything. Like it's, you know, I, 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 I come by this now because it's, you know, Indiana, Lego, Indiana Jones, AI, uh, you know, it's like <laughs> If I put AI on it, it, it makes it magical, like it's going to do something you never anticipated. Where do you see, um, as we're on the topic of AI, where do you see AI going in relation to the type of thing that you're talking about, you know, in, in relation, because Facebook have come out and said, you know, we've now got AI that's going to help you target better. Right. Um, is that, I, I have mixed feelings about whether Facebook ever tells me the truth or not, but... Um, they go <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those isn't it but where, where do you see over the next few years this this whole industry going because of AI some of the things that maybe we should watch out for well
1: I, I think what people have to understand about AI is that look let, let's take these uh, analytics softwares that are that are touting and that some of them are already doing nine10 figures in revenue leveraging AI for your analytics and how to how to you know arrive at smarter conclusions. They all start with the assumption that the data you're getting out of Facebook and Instagram and threads and TikTok and Twitter or X now and LinkedIn and through your programmatic and DSP and all of those. And they're assuming that this data is good. And from there, we're going to use AI to draw conclusions. But here's the thing. if And there's they've, 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 there's been case studies of this. If you feed AI dumb information, it's going to get you dumb conclusions. It'll just go it faster. <laughs> Yeah, it'll just do it more quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: So, you know, garbage in, garbage uh, out, right? It's the uh, it's what, Yeah,
1: I have cut my teeth on emerging tech and digital marketing for twenty years, and it, it's hilarious to me. And Matt, I'm sure you've got some, some shared experience here. Our our, our industry gets grasp vernacular way before usability, and then everybody mm. flocks to it like it's a real thing. So you got yeah. So you got this analytic tool that's great, but your data's still bad. So what it's going to show you is all the people that aren't relevant that are liking your ad. Yeah, let's go to more of those. But they don't know that that's the 17-year-olds looking for the iPhone background picture or the Android picture for their for their phone uh, yeah. uh, from, from Lamborghini. They, AI doesn't know the difference. It doesn't have that understanding. And even if you feed it, Companies like Meta are never going to pop the hood and let your AI tool for your campaigns yeah, loose sure. onto, onto their, into their ecosystem. So it's always going to be a hit hard and hope and really trust it, Meta, and we don't. So I was just on a call yesterday with a very large company, not yesterday, excuse me, last week, but a very large company. It was like, yeah, so we're, we're really thinking about partnering with this company because audience ideas really are challenging. They've got this great optimization tool. I'm like, great. So you know your audiences are diluted. You know you're wasting a lot of ad spend. And you're going to feed AI all of that data to help you arrive at all of the conclusions based on data you know is bad. That doesn't sound like a a great strategy to me. I've sat on the sidelines with AI for 18 months just watching the market, just do what it does with everything new. Um, And and I'll be frank, and a full disclosure, I just acquired an AI programming company. There is a play with AI we like. There's a play that we're making with AI we like. But I think there's real danger in the overconfidence people will have with AI. And there's a real challenge with the bastardization of communication channels with AI. Mm -hmm. When that frequency of, or that per instance cost model gets flattened, something like email. I mean, gee, that's what I'm hoping for is more emails, right? So, I mean, (laughs) we've got an AI email tool because it, it, I mean, unfortunately it works and you've got to go where the market goes and it's, automated and you know, conversions are cheap. However, long term, we're all going to end up in a cloud for corporate communication, because email is going to get just crushed as a communication channel by AI driven email. I mean, it's, mm. it, you could see it ramp up the cost, for instance, is so low to send email, who's yeah, not going to AI email right now? Who's not going to do it?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? How uh, you're right. Um, uh the I must spend, I don't even know how long, the start of every day, just delete, delete, delete. And you oh, yeah. you don't even look at them now because you go, well, somebody, it's not even from a person. This is AI written this. And you can tell the one straight off the bat, to be fair. Um, but you're right. I don't need more email. But my email seems to be, I, I wonder actually how many more emails I'm getting this year as opposed to last year. I suppose that'd be a really interesting stat to know. But, um Yeah, fascinating. So, but I like this, you know, it's such a sensible thing what you said, AI is not going to solve your problem if you're still giving it crap data. And
1: and using chat GBT4 to to produce some programming that will automate some email is not the same thing as real machine learning when Mm. it comes to identifying high conversion audience. That takes a whole different type of programming and a whole different type of programmer. And, uh, and, and that's just not the play chat GBT four and just going in and saying, well, I'd like to, I would like to figure out how to make my house, you know, energy efficient mm. for $5 a month. And I have a 7,000 square foot house and it'll spit out how to do it. It's ridiculous yeah. and it's crazy. And if you understand that that's what AI is going to deliver with bad data, yeah. um, then it, it, then I guess it's okay. But it is, it is not doing right now doing nothing, but really assessing bad data inputs and, and how to refine those yeah, those exactly. outcomes based on that.
0: And I guess if you've got the, if you've uh, at one end, you've got the data as in the client data, you've figured out who the right target audiences are, you've got that information and then you can connect that to the consumers or your customers, you know, e system where they can analyze what they bought and when, then I would imagine AI could give you some very interesting information.
1: Well, I mean, you know, man, I, I don't
0: want to run over on you, but I, here's a great
1: uh, like case study on AI. On- on the difference between like big tech targeting and what we're doing. Yeah. And, and this isn't a commercial, it's just, I'm talking approach here. So you take a, an industry like the window industry, window replacement industry here in the Tampa, to Sarasota market. So if you're a window company, your goal, if you're, depending on where you're at in the market, our, we have a client that sells like $50,000 plus window jobs. Oh, wow. So naturally they're just parts of the audiences or of consumer audiences you want to suppress out, for example. Yeah. If you don't own a home, we don't want to yeah. market to you. Yeah. Nobody's buying yeah. windows for the rental property. Nobody's buying high-end windows for the rental property. And then, then, then there's all this value of house, but when you really get smart with data and you start with all the data selects that you can then use for analytics, you arrive at a conclusion that your highest conversion audience in this market for this client is somebody that has 26% home equity or more. That's the one corollary across all segments that illuminates the highest conversion rate and the mm-hmm. lowest cost per acquisition. You'll never find that select that understanding, anywhere in meta, anywhere in any big tech or big Mm -hmm. ad tech platform, it's not even there. They're not even trying. Because if they know if you do that, all of a sudden your audience went from a million, like take the whole consumer, 3 million people, now we're homeowners, so now we're a million five, now we're homeowners of a certain value, now we're 500,000. Now we're homeowners of a certain value with a certain equity. Now we're down to 115,000 people or 140,000 people on an annualized basis to focus our ad spend on, Mm. but the conversion, so the ad spend comes way down. The frequency goes up. The cadence gets better because the analytic understanding, this is the audience. This is who's going to buy. So their behaviors are really informative and inform the campaign back in real time. And so, because that's how actionable those analytics become.
0: Yeah, super powerful, uh, and and, and you, you look at that and you go, well, that makes an awful lot of sense. You know, I'm instead of spending money adding uh, advertising to a million people, I'm just going to advertise to fifty thousand people over here who, who I know are the exact people I need to advertise to. So I'm saving myself nine hundred and fifty grand's worth of advertising, plus my conversion rate's going to be, I imagine, significantly higher. Um, yeah. and, and the buy-in is going to be significantly higher. So then I'm getting a bigger return on investment and then the managing director is happy and everyone's happy on there at that point. Yeah. Um, it's like the Holy grail of marketing. Um, tell me about, um, whilst we're talking about this, uh, Jason, tell me about pickpocket because I, I was on the pickpocket website cause obviously I would, you know, and Sadaf sent me these notes. I'm like, pickpocket is just one, a really cool name. Um, and, uh, I, I, I saw, I wonder what that's about. And then I went onto the website and I, I'm like, this is what you have done, which I assume I, I read in the data is, is us based only, but what you have done, I thought was if I've understood this right, Jason, uh, I thought it was quite magical, uh, almost witchcraft like, but, uh, d- 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 just explain what it is for the, to the, <laughs> to the listener.
1: Yeah, so uh, Pickpocket is a self-serve platform, so it's 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 really our d- dipping our toe into the water of competing with, frankly, big tech and mm. doing it with better data. So right now, Pickpocket is relegated to location-based only. It's in beta beta testing right now. Um, we've we, we're we're fusing AI into it as we speak. Right now, it's relegated to location-based. So wherein you've got like uh, geofencing and some of these technologies, it's a half a mile big circle or a mile and a half Mm. big circle. Pickpocket is API data sets that arrive at at audiences that are location-based relegated to circles as small as three feet by three feet. So you can go in, you can put the addresses you wanna compete with or that you wanna pull audiences from. So if you're in the restaurant business, if you're in the bar business, if you're in a retail space, if you're in, there's about 15 vertical markets where location just matters quite a bit. Yeah. as an illuminant of a high conversion audience especially in frequency verticals where people you know go to a bar they tend to do so with frequency um so pickpocket allows you to go in set up those locations in your market so here's seven of my competitors i'd like to tell them about our friday night you know food specials or whatever drink specials or and it's big it's scalable and and you put them in and then it pulls the data in you upload your own ad you spit your spit. Uh, uh, disseminate your own spend level, um, frequency and uh, length of campaign. You get to set it up, same way you do Meta. The only thing we promise you is we're not going to just make a bunch of wild assumptions and grow your spend. You yeah. tell us you want to spend 500 bucks for the month on these locations, you, one thing we guarantee you is that you will not serve an ad to anybody that did not visit one of those locations in the time period you're running your campaign. That we guarantee. And so it's, it's our first, uh, uh, Move into that market. We're going to bring in criteria-based, where you're going to be able to set criteria with contextual data layers, and then go after it, and then it publishes uh, the the ads literally everywhere. It's it's through an ad tech platform that then does uh, the, the the ad placement through device ID only um, to everywhere. So it's social, it's 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 programmatic, it's DSP, it's all of that.
0: Yeah, and I, I and when I saw this, I thought this if I owned a restaurant, for example, um. This struck me as particularly genius because I could do very hyper localized marketing. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'm um, using your system, and I can go, right, I'm just going to go here, here, and here. And it could be anything, like you say, a restaurant, a gym, tennis club. It doesn't matter. If it's a hyper localized business, you could use this system to target people in your area. And then I thought, actually, could I, as an e-com business, use this? For example, I'm going to go back to my Lego Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah. Let's assume um, in Colorado somewhere uh, there is a Lego Indiana Jones conference going on um, at, you know, a big exhibition center. And it's 50,000 people going to that exhibition. Could I could I use your system to target that exhibition for that period of time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can start with last year's attendees and market to them ahead of this year's conference. So that's a major play with polygon technology correlated to device ID. Is there's a time um, component to it that allows you? And we use the B2B space a lot for conferences, um, where you've got a, you know you've got companies that go to conferences. You know, literally, it's one of their primary modes of lead generation. And so we start with last year's attendees. We pull all the device IDs that were there last year in that time period. Suppress out competitors. Suppress out custodial staff or you know, all the staff that that go into putting on the conference. Um, and then from there, we arrive at a, at, a, at a really robust list of attendees. And then you start to market to them going into the conference. You pull real-time data during the conference to add that layer in. And then, and this is a brilliant part, it's the post-conference follow-up because so many transactions take place through e-commerce on, on your Lego model yeah. on Monday or Tuesday. Or in February when it's Matt's birthday and we know he likes Indiana Jones and we know he likes Lego. Um, and so that's, that, that's the opportunity there is it does so much more than just serve ads. It's so much more than transactional. It's real audience identification and it's a real target audience ID that you can market to in perpetuity to drive conversions in a product like, like Lego.
0: That's wild. I'm just thinking, you know, like I could follow Coldplay around the United States, for example, and sell Coldplay merch online, and just have all the people that have gone to the conference just, you know, we're doing we're doing exactly that. Not with Coldplay, but we're doing that with a
1: band right now on behalf
0: of one of our clients that sells
1: a, a cannabis product.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> that narrows the band down a little bit, doesn't it? I suppose. <laughs>
1: You know, and not, and not, to, not, but, you know, not, not to delve into you know, controversial spaces because we're not selling the, 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 the cannabis side, we're selling the CBD side, but, but that's what we're doing is that they, they, they have a really good following with a band that's, that kind of uh, is a spokesperson for them. And we just grab those audiences all over the world. All, well, not all over the world, we can't do location-based in Europe, but all over the U.S. We pull these audiences
0: to go to these concerts. That's fantastic fantastic jason listen i've really enjoyed the conversation man and it's uh, it's given me some whole new ideas especially for our u.s market so uh, i'm i'm going to be talking to the team tomorrow um but i i fascinating if people want to find out more about you about the company whose name i can't pronounce uh about pickpocket whose which is a name i can't pronounce uh what's the best way to do that
1: i've got a specificityinc.com um that's that's the easiest way um that's, that's a little bit difficult to spell, so you can go to JasonAWood.com uh, as well, and uh, you can just click on the Specificity icon there. Uh, but check that on social under my name, Jason A. Wood, or Specificity, or, or Pickpocket for that matter, and, yeah. and then you can find it. We're everywhere
0: fantastic fantastic we will of course link to jason uh and specificity in the show notes <laughs> i, just, I Love am it. abs i've never in my life had a word which i can't pronounce and i don't know what it is about this one i have been practicing for weeks now I'm can i really- can i tell you real quick how, why i named it specificity yeah yeah go for it so, so real briefly so
1: I, like I said, I've, I've had other agencies. I've, I've been in this core of audience ID side of digital marketing my entire career. I've just been a believer in it. And so I, when, I was, when I would talk to prospects about what we do, I would use this phrase all the time. You can target audiences with absolute specificity. And so my team started teasing me. Our clients that have been with us for years and years started teasing me for using that word all the time. So when I decided to take our company public, I said, you know what? I'm calling
0: it speculative. <laughs> 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 and why not? Uh, and I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm grateful for the staff that, like me, can't pronounce it. Um ticker
1: symbols SPTY, by the way, on the OTCQB platform.
0: How have you found it taking your company public? Because I mean, that's not as—I mean, I've served on one public board before, um, oh. and uh, in the UK, the legislation is horrendous uh, for that. But. Um, but yeah, I, how have you found that going public as a as a company? You know, it's it's a
1: lot. Um, I mean, it's capital markets are really tough. They're a snake pit. I mean, I, I'll just be one of the guys out here because we don't really rely so much on capital markets. We go after individual investors because we, we we're trying to build more of a team of investors than yeah. just people looking to cash in, cash in, cash in, cash out, and all that, and make these equity plays. But capital markets are a snake pit. Everybody's going to promise you the world. Everybody's going to do this and do that. Yeah. We had a guy come to the table yeah man we're all in at two mil i've got three other funds and then you know capital markets are tough right now and then he just pulls out like it's just so uh, specious every ir guy in the world will tell you we can get right at you know that retail investor that likes the microcap space and likes martech and i'm like really how are you doing that since we don't have app tracking data anymore yeah tell me how you're doing that like, i can do it but I, you can't do it <laughs> so it's just it's tough man it's the, the regulations are onerous Um, Reporting is an animal, Um, but, you know, it gives you access to capital markets. And if you want to make a big play and if you want to butt heads with big tech, you better be able to build a war chest to do it. And that's why we took our our company public. We feel like we've got a proprietary advantage right Mm. now with marketplace. It's a big play.
0: Yeah, no fair play. Fair play, but check it out. And we will, of course, like I say, link to all this information in the show notes. Uh, or you can find it all on the website, ecommercepodcast.net. Listen, Jason, thank you so much for joining me, man. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. My pleasure. It's been great. Always nice to connect with a fellow Chiefs fan as well. So, uh, yes. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me, No, really I appreciate- no. Great. Great, great, great. And also a big shout out to the show, the show sponsor. I've just lost my ability to talk about anything now. Uh, the e-commerce cohort. <laughs> check out ecommercecohort.com. If you fancy joining that membership group, and if you're in e-commerce, you probably should check it out because it is a little awesome pot of gold to be a member of. Yes, it is. Now, be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up And I don't want you to miss any of them. And before I wrap up today's episode, let me take a moment to invite you or maybe somebody you know to be a part of the show. If you're an e-commerce entrepreneur or an expert and would like to share your insights with our audience, We would love to hear from you. Or like I say, if you know someone who would make a great guest, send them our way. Just head over to the website, (laughs) ecommercepodcast.net. I've lost it. ecommercepodcast.net and get in touch. And in case no one has told you yet today, let me be the first person to tell you. You are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome is just a burden you have to bear. Jason's got to bear it. I've got to bear it you've got to bear it as well. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is the wonderful Salaf Painon, as we've talked about, and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you'd like to read the transcript or notes, head over to the website commercepodcast.net, where coincidentally... You can also sign up for the newsletter and get all of this good stuff direct to your inbox totally for free. That's it from me. That's it from Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.